Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Inside the Winner's Circle here on the Win Life Podcast with Awilda Rivera. I am over the moon excited today because I have Dara Thurman with me. You guys might know her as Pint Size Nurse on Instagram. She is a pediatric registered nurse who started her holistic practitioner, or rather started sharing her holistic practitioner journey with the world back in 2013. She hails to us from Laughing Lotus, which is where she did her training with Dana Trixie Flynn, uh, who a lot of you also know out there in the yoga world. So Dara, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to kind of like get into it a little bit. I know. So am I. Yeah, I know. A lot of people, you know, they see you online. They know that you're sort of like someone to know in like the black yogi universe. You know, (laughs) there's like a handful, you know, there's like a faith hunter, Mm -hmm. spiritually fly. There's um, Koya Webb, there's Ty Simpson and DJ and Sanaa and Dara. Um, So I'm really excited to kind of pick your brain a little bit and to talk to you about really this this experience that you're living of being in the Western medical world mm-hmm. and having this this experience with this really old Eastern tradition. But before we get into all of that, can you talk to us a little bit about sort of like young Dara? Did young Dara always want to be a nurse? Young Dara always wanted to be a nurse. Um, I think from the time I was like, eight or nine, I just always knew that, you know, helping people and taking care of people and setting was what I wanted to do. I grew up a lot seeing like my grandmother um, in in and out of the hospital with diabetes. My father has had a lot of health issues um, with diabetes and heart disease and things like that. So I've been around you know, family who is constantly like in and out battling with things like that. So it was just something always in me was like, you know what, I want to be a nurse to, you know, be the one to kind of help take care of families. And, you know, when they're in their time of need, because in the hospital setting, you don't really see doctors that much. You you deal with the nurse most of the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I just always kind of resonated to that. um, Growing up. That's awesome. And, where did you grow up? So I was born in New York. Um, I lived in New York until I was seven. And then I moved to New Brunswick, New Jersey and was there until I was about 24. Um, and then ended up back in New York. So I've been in New York for the last nine years. Yep. Okay. Nine so years. tri-state yep. born and bred. I feel yep. that. Yep. So talk to me a little bit about like, I mean, Becoming a nurse is a generally acceptable and, you know, people in our community, they, you know, they, they like that. Was, Mm -hmm. was there a lot of support for that? You know, was there always people just being like, yes, do that, be that, follow that dream? Yeah, I've always had the support of, especially my dad, he's always been very supportive of me and anything that I wanted to do. Um, Unfortunately, my path wasn't the normal, you know, graduate high school, go straight to college, because I ended up pregnant with my daughter, um, the end of my junior year and had her in my senior year. So I didn't go to college immediately. Um, So I did, I worked full time for about the first six or seven years 
um, after having her. And then my mom reached out to me um, and was like, hey, Dara, come stay in New York. Come go to school full time. Don't worry about working. Just come out here, go to school, get your degree and do what you need to do, because being a nurse is always what you wanted to do. So I'm presenting you the opportunity to do that and do Mm. it the fastest way possible. So when she said that to me, it was like, how do I say no to that? Because when else is this going to happen? And when else am I going to be able to just go to school um, and not have to worry about, you know, my finances? Mm. Uh, So I took complete advantage of that. um, And that was the main reason why I moved back to New York was to be able to go to school um, full time, get my degree and work as a nurse. So let I just want to kind of circle back real quick because mm-hmm. there's something so powerful that you shared and I really want to like highlight it and bold it for the listeners. Mm-hmm. And you said your path was not traditional, right? So even yep. though you might have had people in your life that were supportive and like, yes, do this, life happens, right? Mm-hmm. And like many people, you had a child yep. and you had to then prioritize taking care of that child right Mm -hmm, that child you know they don't know whatever your hopes and dreams are they just know they got to eat right Mm -hmm, so for six you said seven years you were just Mm -hmm. like a full-time you know person that was working and being a mom and and all that can you speak to like what you know of course to your level of comfort what that experience was like if during that time you ever kind of fantasize about still moving forward with being a nurse or if you kind of had given up on that dream or what was it like during that time? Um, It wasn't that I had given up on becoming a nurse. Um, I knew deep down that was still what I wanted to do. Um, But being just young and unaware of a lot of things, I was just unsure of how that was going to become my reality. Um, But at the time, I was just like, you know what, my responsibility right now is to take care of this little girl that I decided to bring into the world. And that's where I kind of focused my energy. It wasn't necessarily as me focusing or feeling guilty um, Mm -hmm. or feeling Mm -hmm. bad about myself or feeling like I failed. Mm -hmm. It was just a matter of right now, this is what I have to do and is have to provide and to take care of her. And when it's time for me to go back to school, the opportunity will present itself and I'll be able to go back to school. And I kind of just left it at that. And I didn't really dwell on how it was going to happen. I knew it would. And I just didn't know when. Mm. I, I love that. There's a, there's a, you know, people talk a lot about manifesting, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there like, Oh, this is how you manifest. And, and the <laughs> truth is, is like what Dara said is straight manifest magic. Like she literally surrendered to the higher power, whatever you want to call it, God, the universe, whatever. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to continue to focus on what I could do right now mm-hmm. that'll allow me to be in a position to receive that opportunity. But I'm going to keep that opportunity and that dream alive within me. That mm. is so important, you know, because there are people out there listening who may have had to leave school or may had to stop writing their book or stop pursuing whatever their dream was. And in the back of their mind, they still want that and they just don't know how it's going to come. And, you know, that self-doubt is real, you know, that, yeah, absolutely. that that fear is real. And so, you know, hearing someone like Dara share her story I hope that you guys listening can really key into that. So mm-hmm. talking a little bit about the self-doubt and the fear and all that, you know, once you finally, you know, 
got the opportunity, had this amazing, you know, sort of like opening from your mom to say, hey, come and, and do this. Did you experience any self-doubt or fear? Did you have any like worry? Oh, absolutely. Because um, but it was so it was so simple and so basic what I was concerned about. Um, it was just the thought of leaving the majority of what I've known for the last, you know, 15, 16 years of my life, you know, leaving Jersey, leaving my dad, um, because my dad, I've been, I was raised by my father. So me and him have always had a close relationship. And that was the first time, you know, I would really be a state away from him, even though New York and Jersey aren't really apart, I'm far, that far apart. But mm-hmm. um, that was a big deal. And I know that was hard for him too, when I made the decision, because he he's always been super close and he was super close um, with my daughter as well. Um, But my biggest like fear or like self doubt was just the uncertainty of being in New York where I didn't really know anybody outside of my mom and leaving my friends and the family that I knew and the life that I knew in Jersey. But other than that, um, it was more so like, okay, get over that because that's, you know, that's nothing. Um, really compared to the opportunity that's being presented to yourself. So you're really going to pass up this opportunity to be able to start your career as opposed to working jobs to do what you need to do to take care of your daughter and struggle, you know? So the self-doubt came, but it didn't last very long um, because it really was almost irrational in a way. Mm. What I love about what you just said was that, you know, and, and, there's a obviously you guys listening can feel this. Dara does have this kind of like, you know, I'm gonna get it done attitude, which I love. Um, and it comes through because you know what you said was a very simple fear is a very common fear. Mm-hmm. You know, people being afraid of leaving their comfort zone, leaving what they know to try to pursue what they really want. And you know. I talk a lot about sort of the the success math framework that I've, you know, kind of created and distilled. And one of the main things about that is making sure that you're pursuing success as you've defined it mm-hmm. and that you're able to align your behaviors and your actions and your values with pursuing that and that your actions also line up with that. And so, you know, you were, you definitely valued becoming a nurse. That was Mm -hmm. definitely something you believed in, but had you not chosen to take advantage of this opportunity, your behavior and your actions wouldn't have lined up with it. And who knows, you may still be in the process of doing that. Whereas right now you did it, you know, Mm -hmm. like you took that leap of faith that was required for you to, you know, remember that you have this deep fundamental belief in yourself that no matter Mm -hmm. what is required of yourself to get there, you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And look what you've been able to accomplish. Absolutely. I completely agree. Absolutely. So talk to, so now you're, you know, at this point in the story, you, you're going to, you know, nursing school and you've become a nurse. And at what point did yoga come into the picture? Um, so in my final RN semester, um, that's when I kind of decided, okay, I can't be a nurse and be a hypocrite. 
because it's like, <laughs> how can I tell patients to, okay, you need to eat right. You need to, you know, be active and be fit and do all of this stuff if I'm not doing it myself. So that's when I started um, trying to change how I ate. Um, I was getting into the gym a little bit more and I decided to just throw yoga in the mix um, as a way to kind of increase my flexibility. It really, it wasn't a spiritual calling to get into yoga. It was definitely a physical thing. Um, wanting to do poses, wanting to do certain poses. I wanted to be able to do splits. I wanted to do handstands, um, things like that. So that's what initially drew me to yoga. And that's how the practice started for me. It was just an addition to um, my wellness practices that I was trying to shift into um, in that last semester of nursing school. And how did that sort of affect you? Like, what did you discover once you started doing it? For me, I, I definitely saw the mental benefits, um, I believe, faster than the physical. Um, so it just it kept, kept me a lot calmer. My patience increased. Um, I felt a, more level headed um, than I normally did. My anxiety and, you know, stress levels kind of lowered, especially with nursing school when you have all those tests to take. Um, my anxiety with test taking decreased. Um, and I was able to just be a little bit more relaxed than I normally was. Mm, mm. And now I know a lot of people listening, myself included. I mean, I'm a yoga practitioner myself, but anxiety and stress is like a real thing mm-hmm. <laughs> that kills and that is very prevalent in many communities. Um, do you, you know, what is your sort of take on yoga being a general tool for assisting with that? I think it's an amazing tool to to have in someone's practice if they have um, anxiety. Even something as simple as like stopping and taking five deep breaths can shift your whole um, your whole mood and stabilize the anxiety that you're feeling. Like your anxiety will decrease um, immensely if you just stop and breathe. And I think that's one of the biggest things um, that you learn as. Um, someone practicing yoga, someone who goes um, through a teacher training, like you learn so much about the power of your breath. Um, Whereas if most times, if you don't practice yoga, you're not thinking about it. You're not thinking about, okay, let me just take some deep breaths to calm down. Like that's not a thought that would cross your mind. Um, So you realize how much power you actually have when you acknowledge your breath and control and take control over a situation. As, a, as opposed to letting the situation control you. So, you know, let me ask you this, because you're just a person, right, who was, like, just trying to live their dreams, just trying to be a human, you know, doing your nursing school, experiencing <laughs> yoga for yourself, and then, you know, doing a training to deepen your understanding. Mm-hmm. What made you decide, okay, I want to share this yoga practice with the world. I want to you know, open myself up as a holistic practitioner to be, you know, do speaking and chat, you know, like yoga challenges and all these other things. What made you decide to to kind of go that route? Uh, the lack of visibility of practitioners of color. Um, I didn't really, when I started yoga, I really wasn't on Instagram that much. Um, and what I was sharing on Instagram was just like my nursing school journey. I wasn't following like wellness and and yoga pages like that. And it wasn't until Instagram that I realized so many other black men and women did yoga. I just was doing it because it was something I knew I wanted to do. 
but seeing the lack of us in the in the space um was really what um pushed me to like put it out there more because I, I didn't want people to think that you know yoga is just for you know white stay-at-home moms or white people who have the money and luxury to do yoga to go to a yoga studio and have these fancy mats and these clothes it's like no yoga could be practiced right in your home if a studio isn't accessible to you and I wanted to make that a bit more visible um with my page and my platform and that's also why I wanted to teach too because it's um it's it helps more people who look like me feel more comfortable showing up for themselves because not everybody wants to be led by someone who doesn't look like them mm-hmm. and this is you know a, a common thread that occurs across industry I mean there's been conversations about entertainment you know and mm-hmm. why you know reflecting the vision of the diverse society and entertainment and so it's no surprise that there has been a real uptick, for lack of a better word, in the last mm-hmm. maybe like four or five years of yogis of color who have been practicing yoga for a really long time, really making themselves known. And honestly, there's even some yogis that are even more OG out there that aren't like super famous and are some of the ones that inspired the ones that everyone knows. Yep, absolutely. You know? And so, you know, I... I'm curious, like, how, you know, your family was down with the, the nursing because that's, like, you know, in our community, as people of color, they, you know, doctor, lawyer, nurse, it's, like, mm-hmm. teacher, we want that, you know? Yeah. What did they say when you started, like, doing yoga? Was it, like, hmm, or were they, like, on board with that? Um, I think that they were pretty much on board with it. I feel like um, I'm very fortunate to have a family that will always support me, especially if they see something is bringing me happiness it's bringing me peace and it's benefiting me um so I never I didn't go through a phase of pushback with family um I think my dad he he just his thing is to just be like oh so when are you going back to I only have my associate's degree in nursing I don't have my bachelor's degree Mm -hmm. so every once in a while he'll be like oh so have you decided when you're going to go back and get your bachelor's and I keep I kind of been pushing it off because I don't know when I want to do that I know eventually it will happen but I just haven't been in the mindset to do it because mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been out of school for, for six years and I don't know when I want to go back but um if if that would be pushback I guess that would be the only pushback that I've gotten but mm-hmm. I don't even consider that pushback because he's just curious as to to what's next, I guess. Um, yeah. And he's always asked, even with yoga, he'll ask me, you know, well, what do you have coming up with yoga? What are you doing with this? So I, my family has always been like super supportive of anything I do. And they see what yoga has brought um, into my life. So they're, they're very, you know, supportive of it. Um, and they're just I guess they're just kind of waiting to see what's next with me (laughs) (laughs) so let's talk about that a little bit you know um I've seen and I know that if if people who follow you know that you've been sort of pulled into some different organizations to participate in different things like Mm -hmm. Sisters of Yoga, Black Girl Yoga, you know different talking I mean conferences or the small gatherings you know what what do you feel is sort of your your mission now? 
you know, now that you have this huge platform, this giant audience, and people are really like listening, what do you feel like is your your message or your mission? Um, I really feel it's definitely bigger than yoga at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it is to, to help us mentally and help us to break old patterns to help us break, um, you know, what we've been taught general generationally and, and to kind of get past the family traumas that we carry and, and do things different this time around so that we're not passing it on to our kids. Um, I feel like that's where I'm at now with sharing, you know, my knowledge and information that I'm learning and things that I'm working through. Um, And I think it's amazing that I'm allowed to be a part of so many different platforms and outlets um, to kind of share that message. And, and I do find more, um, I don't want to necessarily say it's comfort, but I do enjoy like the speaking part of, you know, my visibility more so than just sharing a physical practice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and let's talk about that a little bit because I know that in terms of the intergenerational trauma so and I, of course you're a nurse so you have a medical basis to actually mm-hmm. discuss this I, and I know that it, you know some people may be completely clueless to what we're talking about at all and so what we're talking about really is epigenetics the idea that you know trauma and experiences are imprinted on the cells of your parents and you are essentially a snapshot of everything that they experienced up until the moment of your conception. And Mm -hmm. that sometimes later on in life, as you're growing, like, you know, for example, uh, a friend of mine was just telling me a story about something she was doing that she thought was weird. And her aunt was like, Oh, your grandmother used to do that. And she had Mm -hmm. no idea that her grandmother did that exact same thing you know it's like disposing of something in a certain way um that no one ever told her that but she did that or her Mm -hmm. great-grandmother rather and so these things you know are passed down through our dna so -hmm. can you speak a little bit to you know your work around that and and why that's so important um because it's so necessary for us to like let go of this oh it it it's it, it runs in my family type of notion with things that are you know considered toxic behavior you know certain things don't have to always run in our family we can be um we can be the stop of that quote unquote um running in our family um term that we use a lot so i feel like it's very important to make people aware of that so that you know th- their kids don't have to go through something that you know their parents went through cuz like you said um Um, I'm actually reading a book right now called um, It Didn't Start With You. Mm. And it talks so much about that. And it talks about how, you know, um, the trauma and stuff in family, it takes, it's about three generations. So it'd be your mother, your grandmother, and you. And whatever, like, your grandmother went through, it could skip over your mother, but it could be passed on to you. And 98% of our DNA is made up of, family trauma whereas two percent is only like the physical they Mm. used to call that 98 percent of dna junk dna but now Mm. they're starting to understand like no that is that 98 percent is made up of like your family history your family trauma you know whatever your grandmother was holding on to when she was pregnant with your mother and how that latched on to you as well so it's a lot of stuff that you know on a scientific level 
that they're starting to understand and realize like, okay, a lot of times we'll think our anxiety, we will have no, no root cause for our anxiety or where it stems from. But lo and behold, it's something that happened with our grandmother that is a trigger in our DNA for us without even realizing it, you know? So I think having an understanding of that allows people to kind of forgive themselves in a way, especially if you, if you don't have an answer for where certain things stem from, um, it allows people to step back and say, okay, well, let me, let me find out some information about my family and see exactly, Uh you know, where is this coming from and how can I, you know, be the end of the cycle so that it's not presented in my children and my grandchildren. Mm, I mean, literally, even though I've had conversations about this in the past, when you said letting go of that, it runs in my family phrase that just really blew my mind because Mm -hmm. that's something that we don't even think about and you know for those people out there who understand the power of words and this is not in like a woo-woo spiritual way but in a scientific way right your your words are a vibration that you send Mm -hmm. out and then what that energy reverberates back like a little sonar and when we keep saying Things like, oh, it runs in my family, it runs in my family. Then you're like attracting that to continue running in your family. So, wow, that is a very powerful, very, very powerful thing. And, you know, I, I just... I just love how you said, look, we can be the stop. We can be the, the sort of period on mm-hmm. that, on that sentence. And the other thing that I love about what you said is like, sometimes these things skip a generation and it gives a whole new context to the idea of knowing your family history. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Because so many times it's like, Oh, well this person had cancer, this person has diabetes. And like, that's where it ends. And I can't speak for other ethnicities, but I know that in many immigrant cultures and in many, you know, cultures of color, there is sort of this don't ask, don't tell about sort of what happened to our parents and what happened to our grandparents that is like a like a a shame or a Mm -hmm. a burden that they don't want to share because of whatever traumas they might have experienced when they don't realize and we don't realize that by having that information it actually empowers us to know more about what makes us tick absolutely absolutely Oh, see, I knew it was going to be a great interview with you, and I, I didn't know what we was, where it was going to wind going, but this has literally, no, seriously, there's so much information, and I just, I love having you on because you are the right brain and the left brain, mm. you know, working together, and a lot of times people may kind of like wave off eastern practices or medicine or or traditions as like oh yeah that's like some antiquated we don't know what right yeah but so much science is coming out right now that is really supporting these quote-unquote antiquated ancient practices you know like little things like um message in the water is a book Mm -hmm. about uh, a Japanese scientist who proved that when you say different words into water, it changes the molecular composition in such a way that if you freeze it, it would have different snowflakes. Mm. And so when you say things like love into your water Mm -hmm. or peace or joy, it, it changes it. And then when you take that into your system, it's coming in in a different wave. It's coming in with different energy. Yep. 
So, I mean, the science is really fascinating, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Even things like meditation, you know, where they've shown that when you people go into really deep meditation, certain parts of their brain light up like a damn Christmas tree and other parts get really quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fascinating, really. So, you know, you're a pediatric nurse, right? And you're working with kids. And I Mm -hmm. suspect, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I suspect this is as sort of like an early, like you're getting in there early, right? So Mm -hmm. that you can kind of like give them pearls of wisdom and practices that could potentially change how they're moving through their life. But working with kids can also be really intense and it can be sad. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. do you like balance that? Well, for me, I'm I'm now at um, a pediatric doctor's office, so I'm not in a hospital. So I don't, so luckily for me, you know, I don't see the really, really sick kids, um, you know, like the kids that are battling cancer or the kids that are, you know, struggling with heart disease or anything like that. We do have patients, um, you know, that do have certain ailments that are on the serious side of things. Um, But for the most part, I just see like the general sick kids and, um, and well kids. Uh, so I'm lucky to be in that type of setting um, and especially not being as stressed <laughs> as w- I would be if I was in a hospital. Mm-hmm. But for me, a lot of people and people always wonder, like, how do you work with kids? It's so hard to see kids sick. And I mean, kids are just little versions of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's part of life that we get sick and, you know, we have colds, we have the flu and, you know, so it's not necessarily hard for me to see it. You know, of course, you know, my heart breaks when I see a sick kid because it's like, oh, all you want to do is make them feel better um, so that they can be back at their norm. Um, so it is just a kind of balance and duality of understanding, you know, this does happen. Um, and it's not the end of the world, even though sometimes it may feel like it's the end of the world. Um But also you get to see a different type of resilience in kids when they're not feeling well or when they're sick. Um, And you get to see like, okay, kids aren't as fragile as we think they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I love being able to see that. And just, and also reminding parents that, you know, like your kids are going to be okay. Um, (laughs) They're they're a lot tougher than we think they are. Um, And we don't necessarily have to coddle them as much as we do. Mm, yes yes because I mean I don't know how old you are but I'm 35 and so I grew up in the era of like you go play outside exactly and I'm 33 so yeah just be be out before it's dark that's right before that street light comes on you come upstairs but then the minute Mm -hmm. you wake up especially if it's summer you be outside playing handball or slugs or tag or whatever absolutely absolutely and you figure it out out there and you survive and then you come home Mm -hmm. and whatever happened out there better stay out there and um so yeah i i i mean that's music to my ears i guess my you know well we have just a couple more questions here before Mm -hmm. we let you go you've been such an amazing guest um But does your so do you ever sneak in like some like pranayama on the kids or like, you know, do you ever say like, hey, like, what are you eating? Or, hey, do you ever, you know, maybe you should take a couple deep breaths. You ever sneak that in? So I the main thing that I do at work is vaccinate the kids. So I know everybody has like their own opinions about vaccinations, but that's different. (laughs) Yeah, that's a different (laughs) different show. It's a whole different thing. It's a whole nother thing, right? So for me, 
um, especially the older kids. So like the kids that are like 11, 12, um, even some of the teenagers that are like 17, they get very anxious um, Mm -hmm. just about the thought of getting a shot. So a lot of times what I do is like, I'll go in and I'll just talk to them the whole time that I'm doing the shot. Um, I'll tell sometimes I'll tell them to count to three. Sometimes I'll just like distract them um, by having a conversation about their day or what they're going to do after they leave the doctor's office. Um, if they're, if I know they're traveling soon, I'll ask them, you know, where are you going? Are you getting on a plane soon? Things like that. Um, as a means to distract them, to calm them down. And I'll do the shot the whole time I'm talking or by the time they get to three, the shot is over. And they're like, Oh, that was it. I'm like, yeah, that was it. So a lot of, and then after that, I'm like, you know what? It's the buildup and the anticipation of you getting the shot and not get, and not the shot itself that causes you to kind of get worked up like that. I'm like, it's, all you got to do is just take a time out, breathe <laughs> a little bit and relax. And it's over before you know it. So um, I guess that's my little sneak in <laughs> of like, <laughs> I, of um, like calming them down and, and lowering the anxiety for them by giving them tools is like, okay, count to three. Let's talk and let's do a distracting method um, to help you get through it and for it to be, you know, one, two, three. Mm. Well, Dara, you know, you have shared so many important things with us from, you know, stopping the 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 dissemination of in, intergenerational trauma to our children to, you know, making sure that we don't give up on our dreams and, and we have that fundamental belief in ourselves to, you know, this this really grand and noble mission you have to really help us all break these old patterns and, and leave something new and different for the next generation. So, man, I mean, let's say someone's been listening and, and they're just so like, man, you know, like minds blown. They're so inspired and, and they don't want to like be you, but they're inspired <laughs> by you. Right. Mm-hmm. And what would be one last little piece of advice you would give them if they're like, man, I just want to win life like Tara. Just be honest with yourself and what it is that you want to do and make sure you always show up for yourself. Um, There may be instances where people discredit what you want to do and they may have, uh, there will be naysayers, but as long as you're staying true to yourself and what it is that you want to do is coming from a genuine place, just follow that, you know, however it shows up, it'll show up. Um, You don't always necessarily have to have the plan or be able to see the end result. But just take the little baby steps that'll get you there over time. Mm. That is gold, guys. I hope you <laughs> pay attention. I mean, the great thing is if you missed any of it, you can run it back right now and listen again. So, Dara, again, thank you so, 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 so much for being on the show. If thank you guys you. want to connect with her at Pint Size Nurse on Instagram. And what's your website, Dara? daradanielle.com daradanielle.com that will all be in the show notes and until next time you guys get out there follow your authentic self be honest with yourself and win life